You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. Robert Carrillo here. I want to welcome you all to the metro region of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. It's great to be together. Welcome all our family here in Metro, as well as our friends and neighbors and anyone tuning in from anywhere in the greater Los Angeles or anywhere on the planet. It's great to have you with us. It's great to be together this morning. I want to thank you for joining us and for taking the time to study the Bible, to learn, and to grow spiritually. It's good to have you with us. Um, we're going to go ahead and start out with a prayer, and uh, we're going to jump right on into my sermon because it's it's a pretty power-packed sermon, and I'm really excited about it. I learned so much. I, I actually preached this last week in Spanish at the Spanish service, and it was so inspiring to me personally um, and, and, and convicting that I thought, you know what, we just got to do it. It wasn't actually the one on the schedule to come up next. But this fall, what we're doing is we're studying some of the deeper, more intense teachings of Jesus. Last week, we studied uh, Matthew 13. The week before that, we studied Matthew 24. And this week, we're going to study Matthew 23, which is also called the seven woes. And, uh, um, and we're going to look at all seven woes. And that's why, because it's a seven point sermon, uh, by Jesus, uh, we need to jump on in. So let's go ahead and, uh, uh pray. And then we're going to jump right on in. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the time. We thank you for the technology that we have that we can still, Father, meet together as a church, that we can listen to your word, that we can get into the Bible. We thank you for our Bibles, but especially, God, we thank you for your word, God. Help us, Father, to open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts, Father. Help us to learn the lessons from last week, God, not to be a hard heart that the word just bounces off, not to be a shallow heart that grows no roots, uh, not to be a heart that allows the worries of life or the deceitfulness of wealth to choke us out, God, but to be the soft heart, God, Father, that just takes in the word, to, to be the heart that grows roots and studies and takes serious what Jesus is saying to us, and to be the heart that protects and guards itself so that we don't allow anything, neither deception nor worries, to choke our faith, and that we keep growing and we bear much fruit and have the healthy heart, the fourth heart, God. Please bless our time as we study and uh, open our eyes and our, and our, our eyes and our, and our ears so that we see and perceive that we hear and we understand. We love you, God. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so the chapter is the seven woes. You know, Matthew 23, the seven woes of Jesus. And it's really the seven woes towards the Pharisees. He's basically rebuking the Pharisees. You know, anytime somebody says, woe to you, you know, you know, you're in trouble. You know, that a rebuke is following. And these were seven woes that he gave to the, the Pharisees. And, and, and it's important to understand what that means and why, you know, woes are, or you could also call them the seven warnings or because really for us, they're more warnings for us. We look at what they were rebuked for. And if we're smart, we learn from their mistakes. The best way to learn is to learn from other people's mistakes, right? The, and the not so best way is to learn from our own mistakes, but that's also good too, right? We should always learn from our mistakes, but it's even better if we can learn from somebody else's mistakes. I don't need to be hit by a train to know that that's a bad thing. 
And, and sometimes people think, oh, well, everybody's got to go out and make their mistakes and learn the hard way. No, they don't. There's a lot of things that we can avoid. There's a lot of things that we can learn and not have to suffer. There's already enough suffering in this life. We don't need to add to it because we're being stupid or stubborn. We, it's much better if we learn from other people's mistakes. So these were the seven warnings or the seven woes given to the Pharisees, but they're great lessons for us. And really, we can learn a lot from the Pharisees. We generally think of the Pharisees as the bad guys, you know. I mean, if this were an old-time movie, when the Pharisee walks on the scene, they'd play the evil music, dun, 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 you know, and, and they would clearly be the bad guys. But but the truth is, they didn't start out bad guys. They started out being the ones who were true and faithful to God when everybody else was bailing out on God. When the Greeks had conquered the the the, the all the known world, basically the the, what is Israel today and what is, you know, all kinds of territory around that. They were trying to Hellenize the whole world, meaning that they were trying to make the whole world Greek. And they were pressuring people to adopt Greek culture, to get the Greek bowl haircut, to get wear the Greek clothing, to take on Greek names. And, and, and it had a huge impact on society. In fact, if you look at even, if you think about it, even some of the people that are heroes in the Bible, like Apollos, you know, Apollos is a Greek god who would name their Jewish kid after a Greek god. But that's how much it became part of the culture. But the Pharisees were a group of Jews who resisted that. And were, were, were whereas the Greeks were trying to, I mean, literally, they got really intense. Like, like no circumcision, forcing everybody to eat pork, uh, closing, you know, defiling the temple, all kinds of things. And to Caius did this when he, when he leveled the city and attacked the city. But the Pharisees were the Jews who resisted that and said, we will be faithful to God. We will hold to his word. We will obey all the laws of God. They started out with a great intent, but they went wrong somewhere. Something messed them up and their religion became bad, became terrible religion. And, and so in a sense, another title I could call this sermon is bad religion and the warnings against it. So it's the seven woes of bad religion. And, um, you know, and, and, and again, if we're smart, we learn from warnings and we learn from the mistakes of others. So we're going to dive right on in. There's a lot of good stuff for us to learn from. And I think particularly right now, you know, our theme this fall is eyes, well, for the whole year has been eyes on Jesus. And what we're really focusing on this fall in the sermons is the deeper, stronger teachings of Jesus. But also we're focusing using that to, to inspire and motivate us to get one closer to God than we've ever been. I mean, the goal is that all of us have the best walk with God that we've ever had. And number two, that we have the best relationships with each other that we grow deeper and stronger in our relationship, in our network of the family of God. Those are the biggest concerns to Jesus, to God. That's the greatest commandments. When they asked him of all the 613 laws of the Old Testament, what's the most important? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, love each other as you, as you love yourself. And, and that's really where we're going. That's where we're going as a church. We're trying to grow in those two. How are we doing it? Eyes fixed on Jesus and, st- and listening carefully to his words. So here we go. Seven woes of Jesus. You know, these warnings are always for our safety and for our good. They're not, these, these are warnings are not just to control us. They're not to rob us of fun. They're not to make life 
miserable. They're not so that we grow, that we live in a, in a jail and, and are a bunch of robots. They are so we can have life and life to the fullest. So we don't die. So we don't kill ourselves. So we don't mess up our relationships. So we don't have a lousy life. God wants us to have a great life. And he wants us to have life and life to the full. So that's what these warnings are all about. To help us stay on track and do well. So here we go. So the cha- Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. We'll start right there. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads, cumbersome loads, and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So Jesus, you know, he, he starts in on the Pharisees. The Pharisees, I mean, think, this is towards the end of his ministry. Things are getting really intense and Jesus is getting very strong about clearing up bad religion. So he's constantly challenging the Pharisees. He's constantly challenging the teachers of the law. He's trying to fix the people's religion, correct it, and get it right. Because bad religion stinks. Bad religion is not good for you. It hurts you. It makes a difference. But what they were doing is they were creating all these extra laws. And uh, what it was, if, if, if God said, do not work on the Sabbath... Okay, what was the purpose of that law? The purpose of that law was so that we would rest, so that we would we'd be able to refresh our hearts and our minds, so we could spend time with the family and and have a great day to kind of re-energize and be ready for the next week. But they turned it into a law of what you can't do. You can't do this. You can't do that. Can't do this. Can't do that. I remember being in Manhattan and I went to go visit somebody on Saturday in Mount Sinai Hospital, a Jewish hospital. And he was like on the 30th floor. And I get in the elevator and I saw that all the buttons were light lit up. And the guys, this guy looked, there's another guy in the elevator. He looked at me, he goes, we're going to stop at every floor. And I was like, what? Why? And he goes, it's the Sabbath. And I realized that the law said you can't touch buttons on the Sabbath. And so, boom, 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 boom. You know, we had to write all that. It took a long time to get to where I was going. But they created all these extra laws and created all these rules that people had to follow that they simply couldn't follow them all. And then they didn't help people. And it didn't help the situation at all. It's bad religion. Bad religion usually falls down to, or really in a sense, it kind of digresses or entropies down to just do's and don'ts. What do I do? What do I not do? You know, what, what a bunch of rules. That's bad religion. And religion, of course, it has rules, but that's not what it's about. So, and then he says at the, at the end of that paragraph, he says, everything they do is done for people to see. And here's where things really go bad is instead of the drive and the focus being to be right with God, the drive and the focus became to look right with God. You remember Jesus at different times, he challenged them about that. They'll stand on the corner and they, and they pray out loud so that everybody could see them or they disfigure their faces and wear certain clothes so that everybody know they're fasting or, or the, and basically their whole religion was all about looking right, but not about being right, not about doing what's right. He tells them in verse seven, he says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied. This is Matthew 15, sorry. 
Matthew 15, 7. He says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. This is the definition of bad religion. That their rules were really about what people say and people teach and, and looking good, but not about being good. Not about being what God called us to be, but all about looking and saying the right things. And that happens in the church. That happens where people uh, get all worried about how they look and not about how they are. They, they micromanage their kids to look right instead of teaching them how to live right. And the worst thing you could do is do something that makes them look bad instead of doing something that is wrong. And so it's very, it's a very easy trap to fall into. Bad religion, it doesn't change your situation. You don't go from lost to saved. You don't, you don't, you don't have the power to overcome things like drugs and, and addictions. And you don't have, you don't have, you don't, your marriage doesn't go from terrible to great. Not with bad religion because it's powerless. It doesn't change you. It just makes you look different. It does, certainly doesn't save you. I mean, you could even get baptized, but if you're not living a true life, an honest life before God, you're throwing away everything that God gave you and you fall into the category of Hebrews 10 that we're del- or six that we deliberately are sinning. It doesn't please God. It doesn't make God happy. There are scriptures where God says, I hate your worship services. I hate your singing. I hate your sacrifices. Yeah, God said that. God can actually hate somebody's worship and hate somebody's sacrifice and hate the fact that they're even at church. Why? Because they're just being total hypocrites and they're, and they're playing games with him. It does not please the people around you. It doesn't, you're not a blessing to people. Your faith isn't a blessing. It isn't helping anybody. It doesn't save anybody. It saves nobody, really. It makes God look bad because what is the, one of the biggest reasons people hate Christianity? Because of hypocrites? Because people who are running around judging people, condemning people, being legalistic and, 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 and being negative and critical. Instead of, what did Jesus say Christians should be known for? Love. But there's lots of religious people running around. Watch any Stephen King movie and some guy is going to come out who's hateful and evil and judgmental or a woman and, and they're going to be the Christian in the movie, you know? And that's the way Hollywood sees us. And unfortunately, because there's so many examples of that. And it makes burdensome, it makes it burdensome to get to heaven. It makes it hard to be a Christian in ways that are unnecessary. Really, I mean, this is, this is what bad religion is. It's no good. It's just garbage. I mean, the, how tragic will it be to get, to die and go to heaven thinking that we're saved and then find out that God knew we were faking it all this time. God knew we were playing games. God knew we were hiding sin. God knew we weren't confessing our sin. God knew that, that all this garbage we had done and he's, he's going to say away from me, you evildoer. I never, I never knew you. Who's going to be saved? Those who know him, those who walk with him, those who were honest and real before the Lord. So of the seven woes of Jesus, the first one, he says, woe to you teachers of the law. And Pharisees, you hypocrites. Okay, and that's the key word, really in the whole chapter, but, but in the very first one, he just nails it. He says, you hypocrites, 
You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor do you let those enter who are trying to. And, and, and these are leaders, right? The Pharisees were leaders in the community and their, their bad religion was making it hard on everybody. And say, well, I'm glad I'm not a leader. Well, first of all, the fact is leaders will be judged more harshly. The Bible says that. But for all, all of us are leaders in some capacity. Some may lead a church. Some may lead a sector. Some may lead a Bible talk. Some lead homes. Some lead children. If you're a parent, you're a leader and your religion is affecting your, your children, good or bad, but it's absolutely going to affect the people around us, right? Whether our religion is good or bad. This is why Jesus was so upset because the people who are supposed to be helping people were making it harder on people, people he wanted to get to heaven. So number one warning, woe was don't be a hypocrite. Do not be a hypocrite. Now you might, what, what exactly is a hypocrite? Well, it's the Greek word hypocrites. And hypocrites means actor. It's an actor. The, in the Greek classical theater, they'd come out and they'd wear masks. And they'd be masks. The mask portrays the evil guy, the happy guy, the sad guy, the embarrassed person. And, and that mask would be who they're, who they're portraying to the people. You don't know what's going on behind that mask. Behind that mask, the mask might be smiling and happy, but behind the mask, he's angry. Or the mask might be calm, but behind the mask, there's rage. And you don't know what's happening. All you know is the mask you see. And that's what a hypocrite is, who presents something different than what is reality, right? Romans 2.9 says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I mean, love has to be real. We, we know that. I think somebody comes up and they're telling us, Oh, I love you. And, and you're so special. And, you know, and, and, and you know, if they're just feeding you a line, you know, I mean, you may be fooled at the beginning, but you quickly catch on whether somebody really loves you or they're just saying that. Whether somebody's love and sincere is sincere or it's fake and they're playing games. God's not stupid. If we could figure that out, believe me, God can figure it out. He knows if our love is sincere, if we're really giving God our love in our hearts, or we're just playing games with him. He knows that. If we're saying, I love you, God, you're first in my life, you're number one, but then we're out there doing, putting other things before him, or we're giving our heart to sin, or we're, or we're secretly hiding stuff, or we're living a double life. He knows all that. I remember it's so funny that, that, um, there was an, they were going to put, cameras at the intersections in Jersey and everybody was in an uproar because they didn't want to be watched. They didn't want to be filmed. And I thought, okay, first of all, if you do what's right, why do you care? Shouldn't bother you. But secondly, God is always watching. He's always watching. He always sees what we're doing. Who do we think we're fooling? God knows everything. Number two, what do you teach to the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. What were they doing? Well, they were, they were trying to convert people. I mean, you know, the, the, the Pharisees were called the lamps of Israel. Okay. That's very close to light of the world. They were the lamps of Israel. They were supposed to teach everyone the light of God. 
but they were teaching all these rules, do and do not do, do and do not do. They were legalists. They was all about the laws and not about the heart, not about loving God. And we say, well, but didn't God give them 613 laws? Yes, he did. And did they need to obey them? Yes, but that's not what the religion's about. Not good religion. Good religion is always about love. Does that mean there's no rules? No, there's rules. When you get married, you fall in love with somebody. There's rules. I will only give you my heart. I will be faithful. Do we accept? How about if if I said, okay, honey, I'm going to be faithful to you 364 days a week, just only one day a week or one day a year, I'm going to be unfaithful. Can you accept that? What do you think Michelle would say? Yeah, if you know Michelle, Shay, you know, she would say, absolutely not. 99.9% faithfulness is not enough. It's 100% or it's nothing. That's how love is. Love is what drives us to give our all, not the law. And, and, and we obey the law if we love. And Jesus came to fulfill the law with love. But they were all about the rules. And that messed up people. Rule number three, or woe number three, sorry. Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple, bound by the oath, bound by that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? So people used to make oaths, and they would swear. I swear I will do this. I will swear by the name of God that I'm going to do this, or whatever, you know, and that's how they would bind themselves or at least make everybody think that they're serious. And they would play this game where they would say, I'm going to swear by the gold or I'm going to swear by the, by the, the name of God, but by the gold. And then they would figure out a way to get out. It was just games. And Jesus didn't want them playing games. He, you know, he's do. So what, what is the woe number three? Do not swear or make promises that you will not keep. In other words, no deals. No. Okay. God, if you do this, I'll do that. All right, God, if I'm, you know, and it's like this story I heard one time, the guys, he got caught in a riptide at the beach and he's getting pulled out and he's crying out to God and he's saying, God, save me. God, save me. And he says, God, if you save me, I will devote my whole life to going to church and preaching the Bible and learning the Bible. And, and he's swimming, swimming. And he starts getting closer to the beach and he goes from a hundred yards to about 50 yards. He says, Oh, thank you, God. This is great. I promise God I'll go to church once a week. And then he gets closer and he's getting about 25 yards. He says, okay, God, every Eastern Christmas, I promise I'll be there. And then by the time he gets to the beach, he says, okay, God, I'll see you next year. And we do that. We play games with God. Where if God, you'll do this. And, and no, 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 that's not what God says. Matthew 5, he says, do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. If you say, I am going to follow God, then follow him. If you say, I'm going to live by the Bible, then live by it. If you say, I'm going to do everything the Bible says, then do it. I remember when I was studying the Bible and, and I got to about the third or fourth study and I started seeing what was coming. It was like, Oh boy, this is, this is getting intense. And, and I remember I told the guy who I was studying the Bible with, Jeff Chacon, I said, you know what? I, th- I think I'm going to just back off a little bit and explore my own religion that I grew up in and get to know that better before I make any changes. I was trying to sound wise and noble, but he saw right through it. And he said, you said the very first time we studied that if God said anything in the Bible that you would do it. 
Do you still believe that? I said, yeah, of course. I I said it. I meant it. And he said, everything we're reading is in the Bible. So why are you trying to run away? He busted me. He caught me with my own words. My yes needed to be yes. And my no needed to be no. That's a Christian. That's being honest. That's being real. Not playing games with God. Number four. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. This is a big one. And if you've been with us, since Michelle and I got here and I started preaching, you've heard this one before. Why? Because it's so incredibly important. What is the woe? The woe is do not major in the minors and minor in the majors. He points out, he says, look, you guys, you, you, you tie the tenth of your spices. I mean, that's very nitpicky. That's very meticulous, right? Nitpicky where you're, everything's gotta be 10%, every single little thing. By the way, by the way, nitpick, in Jewish communities, they had women who were assigned to help kids that got lice. And if you've ever had lice or helped anybody with lice, you know you have to get the lice out, but you also have to get the knit out. The knits are the eggs. And so somebody's gotta go literally hair by hair looking for the knits, and that's called the nitpicker. The nitpicker would go through everybody's hair, follicle by follicle, and pull it all out. And Jesus is pointing out, you are that devoted to something like tithing your mint, dill, and cumin. But the major things, the things that really matter to God, that are so important to him, like justice, like mercy, faithfulness, or another, and sometimes that word is humility. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You still need to obey the law, but you should have made sure to get the big things. It's a person who considers themselves so religious that they read every day with great discipline. They pray every day with great discipline. They tithe every time. They follow all the rules but they're not very loving. They're not kind. They're not compassionate. They don't stand up for those who are oppressed or those who are suffering or those who are hungry. They don't care. They live their own lives and really they spend most of their time judging and looking down on others because others don't spend as much time reading and praying and following all the rules. And they miss what's most important to God. And I love how Jesus describes it. He says, you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. You say, well, that's a pretty silly picture. Yeah, that's how silly it is to do this. To, to, to focus on all the rules, but miss the most important things. Justice, helping everybody to achieve success. Mercy, loving others. Loving all people from every background, from every situation. And faithfulness or humility. 
living by the truth. This is incredibly important to God. And of course, he's quoting Micah 6.8. And when Micah rebuked Israel for not doing these things, for failing on what the most important things are to God, more important than the rules. When we get married, there are rules to marriage. And they are important. But what is it the thing God commands? Husbands what? Love your wives. Because it's the most important thing. It's what it's all about. That doesn't mean you throw out the rules. It just means you got to make sure and do what's really important. Do not major in the minors and minor in the majors. In Matthew 9, a similar situation. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So you got to see the scene. Jesus is sitting in his house. He's in Matthew's house. Matthew, a tax collector, somebody who's betrayed his people, somebody who's so out there that he would turn on his people and betray them and work for the enemy. And this is somebody who grew up a Jew. He was probably bar mitzvahed and knew all the customs, knew all the stories, knew how to pray in Hebrew, knew, knew all the, all, I mean, knew all this stuff. He's what we would call a kingdom kid. But something went terribly wrong. And not only turned his back, but he worked for his enemy and hurt his own people. Probably the shame and the embarrassment of the family. Probably did not get invited to weddings and festivals and holidays and family times. Because he was an embarrassment. But there's Jesus. Not only with Matthew, but all the tax collectors who were Jews. And the prostitutes. The worst thing that a daughter of Israel could become. And he's sitting there with them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see, what would bad religion do? Bad religion would be like, get away from those people. They're dirt. They're scum. We're better than them. Bad religion would just judge them. And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's quoting Hosea. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, Jesus is practicing good religion. You love the lost. And you understand that even the spiteful, something caused them to become that way. What caused Matthew's heart to turn like that? To become so hard? I don't know. We don't get told that. Maybe he got hurt. Maybe he was abused. Maybe a religious leader hurt him. But whatever happened to him, Jesus' love, Jesus reaching out to him, turned him. The way to overcome hatred is not by more hatred. It's by love. And we know Matthew became one of the apostles a great evangelist planting churches all across the Middle East and the author of the gospel that we're reading. One of the great heroes of God because somebody loved him, because somebody didn't judge him. Number five, he says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. And of course, this has to do with what he said before about everything they do for show, to look 
right, to look good. So they spend all this time and energy on looking good and looking right. So what's the woe? Do not focus on appearances. Focus on the inside. How's your heart? What are you filling your mind with? How's your soul? How's your soul doing? Is it strong? Is it strengthened by the Spirit of God? Is it being filled with the Word of God daily? Your heart. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you saying? Who are you listening to? Are you listening? And I think particularly in these times, there's so much hateful talk going on out there. Oh, those evil people and those evil people and these horrible people. And it's getting everybody all worked up in a frenzy of hating one another and shooting each other and killing each other because they're a little bit different. Guard your heart. Don't listen to that garbage. Guard your mind. Read your Bible. Take care of your soul. Let's make sure that we are spiritually strong. Are you ready for the next couple of months? Because it's going to get hotter and it's going to get worse. And our world is just in a bad place right now. We need to be in a good place right now. That doesn't happen by looking right. By acting like everything's okay. That happens by taking care of what's happening in here. Our hearts, our minds, our souls. And making sure that we are spiritually strong. We have to be the people who are different. Who are not like the world. Who are not like everybody else. Because we're full of God's spirit. And we're showing the fruits of the spirit. Love, patience, kindness, self-control. Not the world. James said, therefore confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. We all have hurts and we need to be healed. But we also need to confess our sins so that we're not infected by them. So that not contaminated and polluted by them. We have to be open about our lives. I'm afraid some of us haven't confessed our sins in ages. Or we just say, well, it's just between me and God. No, it's not. The Bible says confess your sins to each other, not just to God. Because there's something that happens when you have to look somebody in the eye and say, I did this. It changes us. It sets us free of it. And that person can remind us, you're forgiven by God. Amen. We're set free. We're healed even. But if we have it all in here, And we're trying to just heal ourselves. Woe to you. Because you're just trying to look right. Instead of be right. Number six. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside are full of bones of dead and and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside you appear to be people as righteous. But on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Again. It's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. Do not try to look the part. Be it. Don't try to look like a Christian. Be a Christian. Don't try to just look like you're following Jesus. Follow him. Don't try to look like a spiritual person or sound like a spiritual person. 
Be one. Be a spiritual person. Be strong in the Lord. Be God's woman. Be God's man. Be the one who comes in full of the Holy Spirit, ready to do God's will. Don't just try to look it. Go big or go home. You know, just go for it. Let this fall be your best fall ever spiritually, where you're growing, you're strong, and you're not afraid to talk to people, opening up about your life. Set yourself free if you've got secret sins. Get it out. What's the first that's going to happen? The person you talk to you looks down on you? Well, pick somebody who's practicing good religion that isn't going to just judge you and look down on you. But get it out for your sake. Who cares what people think? The only one we need to fear is God, not people. First Samuel 16, 7. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. You know, they were looking for a king and, and, and Samuel saw Eliab. He's tall, handsome, good. On the outside, everything was right. So, oh, this definitely has got to be the king. He says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When God sees you, he doesn't see what you look like on the outside. He sees what's happening on the inside. And guys, we, we have to take this totally serious. This is real. This is real. God's watching. The world needs a people that are the real thing. That are sincere in their love. Number seven. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. I mean, Jesus is, he's mad. I mean, he's red hot here. He's saying, you guys say that you would never kill the prophets. And he knows they're trying to kill him. And he's the greatest prophet. He says, you guys say that you would never have done that, but you're doing it right now. Go ahead, finish what you're going to do. What was the warning? Be honest, be true, be real. Nobody fools anybody. It's amazing how some people... Oh, well, I love the truth, love the truth. But then when somebody gives it to them, get away from me, you're judging me, you're looking down on me, you're, you know, you're making that, you don't know what you're talking about. Wait a second. We either love truth or we don't. We either love what's real and honest or we don't. We're either going to be honest or we're not. Be honest, be real. Take care of your soul, of your heart of your mind, of what's on the inside. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Give it all to God. Give it to him. What are we afraid of? We're going to be too zealous? We're going to be too fanatical? We're going to love God too much? We might have too much faith and walk across a pond or something? Come on. Let's be the people who shine in this world. When people see our authenticity, our genuineness, our realness, 
We're not playing games. We're God's people. We live by the truth. We do what's right. And when we do what's wrong, we admit it. We don't play games. We don't make people afraid to talk to us. Sometimes we say, well, nobody's telling me what I'm doing wrong. Nobody's saying anything to me. That's your fault, probably. Because you're either not asking or you're so intimidating, nobody wants to talk to you. People should feel like they can talk to us. And I get it. We all get nervous when we want to point out something to somebody. But if we love them, we'll share it. And if we love God, we'll take it. And we'll listen. And we'll hear it. This is how Jesus ended. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you. How often I have longed to gather your children together. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. You are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You could hear, if you just listen, the pain in Jesus' voice, in his words. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. What is God doing? He's calling us all to him. He's trying to gather us together. And some of us are, well, I don't like the way we're gathering and I don't know if I want us all to gather. And I don't like that group over there and I don't like that person over there. And, and, and I don't know, I feel like those people are too this and these people are too that. Come on, guys. Let's love one another. Let's love God and love each other. Let's grow in that love. There's too many people in our region that are lonely. What in the world? We're the fellowship of God. Nobody should be lonely. We should be so in-depth in friendships with one another because we're devoted to each other. We have not grown in years as a ministry. And I'm telling you, this is why. We need to be a people who really, honestly, truthfully walk with God. And if you are there and you're doing awesome, then please turn around and help your brother. Help your sister. Pull them in. Build great friendships. Being honest. Being real. Sharing your weaknesses. Confessing your sins. And helping each other. Let's not play Christian. Let's not play games with religion. Let's not practice. Let's not waste our time with bad religion. And you feel like, oh man, I'm a hypocrite and I'm busted in the sermon and I'm just going to do the noble thing and leave. Wrong. The noble thing is repent. Get strong and help the family of God. Because we're all in this battle together. We're all in this struggle together. We're all trying to get there. And none of us are going to make it alone. We need each other. This is a great family. I love this church. It's a great group. Paul warned us and inspired us by saying, do not, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
It's not just about running. We're not just running down the track and no. We're running with our hearts and our souls and everything we got. I'm not a very good runner, but you know what I mean. We're not just wandering around. We're running. So it's to gain that prize. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I'm not a runner, so I don't have a bunch of running stories. But I do, I used to work, I used to help my dad, who was an assistant coach at the Oregon track team, Oregon State University, the Ducks. And he would literally teach them how to put their hands. I'm running like, you know, I don't know anything about running. But he was teaching them how to hand their arms, how to put their feet in the blocks, how to, how to everything. His, his best friend, who's a, a, a team buddy of his, they ran track together. His name was Phil Knight. He invented some shoes to help them run better. He named those shoes Nikes. But they, every single thing, every part of it, we need to live our Christian lives intentional, purposeful, deliberately to be as strong as we can spiritually, to walk with God and to walk with each other, to love God and to love each other and to reach out to this hurting messed up, lost world and pull them into the kingdom. That's why we're here. Woe to us if we don't. But I'm confident that we will. That's our challenge this fall. God bless you. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit metrolaregion.com 